236 days remaining in our American democratic system as we have known it. How you doing, kids? It is the Oscar edition of the J.C. Crockman podcast here at jconline.com. I used to be a huge proponent of the Oscars. I would do it up big. I would have, you know, I would make a big lobster dinner with champagne. You know, I'd always have somebody over at least, uh, if not a significant other. It was a, you know, small gathering of, you know, three or four couples or something like that. Really make a big deal out of it. And over the years, I think I've gotten like everybody else in that. Well, here's the thing. I've been talking about this for years. It used to be that people would turn on their televisions once in a year and because that's where you would see all these big stars. You know, if you'd like John Wayne and if you liked Cary Grant and stuff like that, you'd turn on the TV and all these women in these beautiful gowns and all of these big stars in one place. Well, now you can't get away from the celebrity culture. Every place you go, there's an entertainment show. There's a bunch of entertainment channels, stuff all over the internet. And, and it's just not special anymore. You can see celebrities just snap your fingers and you know, the ghost of Mary Hart will just appear on your tabletop, which is weird because she's not dead. The process is still very snooty. You know, rarely, rarely is a comedy even considered, let alone a favorite to win or an actual winner there are these long drawn out stupid speeches i'd like to thank mary and tim and skyler and bob it's like if you're going to mention their names at least mention their last names along with it you've basically done nothing by just like romper room you're just naming names that don't mean anything to anybody even the people who you're referencing because nobody knows it's them because you didn't mention their last name too and these are show business people, and they win. They walk up to the podium, and they stand there, and they look at the microphone like they have never seen a microphone in their entire lives. And they're bent over, and they're sort of like, oh, oh I talk, and, and, and it's picking up my voice. Oh, my. You're in show business. It's a fucking microphone. And this hosting thing has gotten completely out of control, too. You know, it used to be Billy Crystal or even Whoopi Goldberg, who I can't stand. But Jesus, God, you know, now you watch this show Sunday night. The hosts come out and you see them. They do the big monologue at the beginning of the show and it's overproduced. And it takes like, you know, 15 minutes for the thing to be over before they ever get to an award. And then the hosts disappear for like 45 minutes. You don't even see them. So the hosting job, really when it comes down to, is the opening monologue. You bomb there, and you might as well just pack it up and go home. I mean, again, these are show business people, and they end up putting on the worst show of the year. You wouldn't pay to see that show in a theater. And they wonder why the ratings keep going down. It's a shitty show and people just have reached the point where they're not going to sit there for four hours and watch a shitty show. Almost nobody has seen the movies that tend to get the nominations. And then a couple of years ago, it's like La La Land wins for best picture. Wait, no, wait, there's been a mistake. No, La La Land doesn't win. It's like, what are you guys doing up there? What the fuck is going on? So what I do now, I get very excited during the course of the day on Sunday. I look forward to the actual show. I watch the monologue. 
and then I go do something for about two hours while the DVR is recording it, and I fast forward through all the nonsense, and that's about the only way I can tolerate that show now. And again, you know, I'm not completely poo-pooing the Oscars, although I just did for like five minutes. But, you know, it's the Oscars are always going to be the document of record. Oh, it's nice if you get a Golden Globe nomination or a win or something like that. But that's not the document of record. Those are the Oscars, and that's always going to be that way. But as for the Oscar telecast itself on Sunday night, DVR, baby, DVR. Oh, and I guess we should acknowledge the fact that we're living in an era now where it just seems like the same names keep coming up year after year after year. The nominees for Best Performance by an Actor in a Leading Role are Tom Hanks in Castaway, Tom Hanks in Gladiator, Tom Hanks in Before Night Falls, Tom Hanks in Pollock, and Tom Hanks in Quills. A couple of years ago, a couple of years ago, we had the director of the Oscar telecast, a guy by the name of Gil Cates. He's actually the uncle of Phoebe Cates. I think he passed away, come to think of it. I think he may have died in the last couple of years, but he was the director. Year, He must have done it for 15 or 20 years. And we had him on the air, and I played that, and that, that guy laughed his ass ass off for the rest of the conversation it was really really funny all right we'll swing back and do more oscar stuff here in a special edition of the jc corcoran podcast here at jconthewine.com couple of other things going on the mystery of gonzaga have you ever known anybody who went there outside of about two weeks during the ncaa basketball tournament have you ever heard anybody acknowledge the existence of gonzaga have you ever seen anybody wear a sweatshirt that says gonzaga university i'm really starting to wonder whether or not that place really exists (laughs) nobody has ever heard of it outside of basketball they have no presence in our entire society well you don't have to worry about them now because they got eliminated last night and again, Mike Krzyzewski, you watch the way those players from the opposite team, and again, Duke wins last night in a squeaker. For a while there, it looked like the Cinderella story was going to end there for Mike Krzyzewski. But, you know, when he congratulates those players, so those, some of those kids who are like, you know, 19, 20 years old right now, till the day they die, they'll be talking about how Mike Krzyzewski came up to him after the game and said something nice and patted him on the chest or something. But I'm really liking that story, the way Krzyzewski is going out even if they don't win at all it's still a great story the way the whole thing is sort of playing out baseball we are now less than two weeks away from opening day and that means we are officially 13 days away from jc corcoran's home opener special which will be coming up on the 7th of april opening day right here we'll have an extended podcast and uh, that's something that you can look forward to i never thought well first of all i always say we only do politics when it is completely unavoidable this is a moment in the podcast where that is going to be the case. I never thought that I'd be speaking into a microphone saying words like this, like a Supreme Court justice's wife is on record now as calling the White House, calling the chief of staff to try to get him to overturn an election. Never thought I would live to see the day. On this date back in 1985, well, I was uh, still fairly new in town. I got here in 84, and I uh, had my first season of Big Red football games. And I had a pair of binoculars, and I would go to the games, and for some reason I became transfixed 
on a, a young blonde woman who was one of the big red cheerleaders who had a green cooler. You know, in every quarter, you know, they shift the girls. You know, you're in one corner in the end zone. Okay, end of the first quarter. Now they rotate, and so you're not looking at the same girls the entire game. And she had this little green cooler, and that was really the only way I could identify her was to say the cheerleader with the green cooler. So I was constantly talking about her on the air. This is when we were doing the old KG Morning Zoo. And finally, it was on this date, 1985, the girl with the green cooler called the radio station and said, hi, it's me. And I got to go to lunch with her. And she was very, very sweet. Young lady by the name of Kim Kester. I will never forget it. She was so pretty and so nice. And she took it all in stride. I mean, you know, she could have said, look, you're a pervert. Stop stalking me. And instead, she took the funny side of it. And uh, and I will always thank her for that. Tom Snyder did his last show on American TV on this date in 1999. He was replaced by Craig Kilborn. So on this date in 1993, the whole place went kerplooey. Channel 4, you think they're goofy now. Channel 4 brought in this news director by the name of Gary Whitaker. And in my personal opinion, he was nuts. This is one of these guys who um, was going to sort of reinvent the entire way that local news was being done. Not just some modifications, a couple of changes here and there. He was changing the entire way everything was going. Now, I was working at Channel 4 at the time, and I was trying like hell to understand what he was getting at it. I could not make sense out of what this guy wanted. He kept saying, you know, we want storytellers. We want storytellers. It's like, okay, well, that's what the news is. You tell people what happened today. No, 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 no. You got to tell like a story. It's like, what do I do? Start with, you know, now with the entertainment news, here's J.C. Corker. What did he say? Once upon a time. Anyhow, they uh, hatched this idea where Channel 4 was going to put a camera up on like the 10th floor of the building there on one memorial drive where KMOX is. And that uh, 10th floor window looked directly across the park and into the Adams Mark Hotel. That the, At the time, it was the Adams Mark. And they hired a male hooker to try to entrap a Catholic priest from over in Metro East who apparently had a reputation for engaging in stuff like that. I'm being very careful here, even though I think the statute of limitations has probably run up. But anyhow, they had the room bugged. Can't put a camera in the room, but they were going to shoot this from across the plaza. So in other words, we're going to rent a 10th floor hotel room in the Adams Mark, and then we're going to go across the plaza, the 10th floor of one memorial drive, and we'll get a long lens. You already have the room bugged. Even in 1993, I can't even imagine how many laws were broken by what they did. Well, they got caught. Somehow, somehow, Vice President and General Manager Alan Cohen, who was running the place, survived. But the news director and his uh, boys all got tossed out. And Channel 4 had to do a lot, had to do a lot of convincing movers and shakers in the community that they weren't just possessed or something i don't know but all that back in 1993 i was sitting there right there when it was happening on this date 1989 the trial that i was involved in with the steam heat dancers began this is in 1989 we were just talking about cheerleaders a minute ago now we're over to the steam heat dancers and again, this is one of these stories that when people find out the details, they're like, are you kidding me? It's like, no, I'm not. 
So here's what happened. We were uh, uh, we were asked to participate in this uh, outfit called Scoops of Fun. It was a charitable fundraiser type thing at Union Station, the Union Station parking lot, where you get ice cream and it was for charity or something. And they were going to have you know all of these attractions and you know Carnival Midway and celebrities and the whole thing. And one of the groups that was invited to participate was, in fact, the Steam Heat Dancers. Well, the Steam Heat Dancers were funded primarily by KMOX's Bob Hyland, the guy who was running KMOX, the overlord there for many, many years. And when he heard that I was participating in Scoops of Fun, he pulls the Steam Heat Dancers from the event. So I go on the air and I say, well, that's okay. It's common knowledge that I'm banging a half a dozen of them anyhow. Highland hears this, and though he tried to camouflage it, they file a lawsuit. Now, again, Highland over at KMOX never acknowledged that it was him, but in the discovery process during the lawsuit, his writing was all over the pages. So the steam heat dancers weren't injured. They didn't have their reputations hurt or anything like that. All this was was competitive bullshit coming out of KMOX and specifically Bob Highland. Can you imagine their surprise when J.C. Corcoran, who is under oath, is asked what they considered to be, I'm sure that in their minds they were thinking that this is a rhetorical question. Mr. Corcoran, you have not, in fact, ever had sex with any of the steam heat dancers. Isn't that correct? And again, I'm under oath and I say, no, that's incorrect because it was incorrect. There was one that I was seeing on the side. I didn't make a big deal about it. So under oath, I'm sitting there, and you should have seen the look on their lawyer's face when he's like, you are under oath, Mr. Cork. I'm going, I, I know I am. Now, you want to ask the question again? The whole thing went kaboom, really. Nothing much came of it. But it makes for a pretty damn good story, doesn't it? And in 1995, on this date, your buddy JC was out in California interviewing a young up-and-coming actress by the name of Sandra Bullock for a movie called While You Were Sleeping. The A-List Interview with J.C. and the Morning Show Graham. Actress Sandra Bullock on her movie, Practical Magic. What kind of a Halloween kid were you? My mother made our costumes. And then as I got more extravagant with my ideas, my father had to start building them. How extravagant can a Halloween costume get that dad has to be brought in, like with a blowtorch? <laughs> I love candy corn. And so I decided I wanted to be <laughs> Here comes the folks. human candy corn. So he built this huge candy corn. I had these straps where when I flashed the flashlight, it said trick or treat. And it had a little flap door. How do you carry a candy? Bag. It was attached to the inside of the door where people put in the flap. I won. She's a blast, by the way. That was part of a conversation we had a movie uh, called Practical Magic, and it stunk, but the conversation during the interviews was really, really funny. She's very pretty, wears a little too much makeup, but very nice, very fun. She's one of those people, it's rare in Hollywood that what you see on the screen pretty much is the way she is in person, by the way. Now, as a formality, I do celebrity birthdays every day, but I can't ever remember a day like this, March 25th. If you say, whose birthday is it, JC? My answer is everybody. Listen to this for just this weekend alone, today, Saturday, and Sunday. Catherine McPhee, women sitting around, I just don't know what men want. I can't figure out what men want. Look at Catherine McPhee. That's what we want. 
38 today. Danica Patrick, there's another one we want. 40 years old. Lark Voorhees, Lisa from Saved by the Bell, 48. Sarah Jessica Parker, 57. Bonnie Bedelia from Die Hard. Oh, God, was she good and presumed innocent, too. She is 74. Elton John, 75. Paul Michael Glazer, that would be Starsky, is 79. Gloria Steinem, 88. Gene Shalit, I... We used to have him on the show all the time, and I didn't even know he was still alive. He's 96, former Today Show movie critic. Saturday birthdays, Kira Knightley, 37. Leslie Mann, married to Judd Apatow, 40-year-old virgin, knocked up. This is 40, and we just told you this the other day. They're going to do a follow-up to that now called This is 50. She is 50 today. Kenny Chesney is 54. Michael Imperioli from The Sopranos, 56. Jennifer Gray, Dirty Dancing. Ferris Bueller, 62. Marcus Allen, 62. Lisa Gibbons, remember her from Entertainment Tonight, 65. Martin Short, 72. Vicki Lawrence from The Carol Burnett Show and Mama's Family, 73. And also The Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia. Steven Tyler, Aerosmith, 74. Diana Ross, 78. Bob Woodward, part of the team that took down Richard Nixon, 79. James Kahn, 82. Nancy Pelosi, 82. Alan Arkin, 88. Sandra Day O'Connor, first woman on the Supreme Court, is 92. Birthdays on Sunday. That's right. I'm still going. Mariah Carey is either 52 or 53, depending on which internet site you go to. Um, Polly Perrette from NCIS, 53. Quentin Tarantino, 59. And the keyboard for Genesis, Tony Banks is 72. Gene, uh, congratulations on 22 years. You know, the cool thing always to say is, hey, we wish you another 22. I don't know what you'd look like or what I'd look like, but what the hell, we'll say it anyway. Well, Roger and I have always had this fantasy, you know, that if we did another 22, we would have attendant nurses behind us <laughs> as we were, uh, you know, giving our reviews. Probably the nurses would start talking and be a whole lot more interesting uh, than we were, and that would be the show. I know how you could end the show. You could say, and until then, the balcony is accessible. <laughs> very very good Gene very great good. to talk to you don't be again. too clever or I'll have to get rid of Rob <laughs> thanks Gene we'll be watching here on channel 4 in St. Louis great to talk to you a pleasure JC always ah my old pal Gene Siskel from Siskel and Ebert at the movies as we shift back to Oscar stuff are you ready total cost of the ceremony 42 Point nine million dollars. God. Cost of the fifty thousand square foot red carpet, twenty-four seven. The amount of hours it takes to install the thirty rolls of red carpet, eighteen workers, nine hundred people working on it. Four hundred dollars, the estimated value of each. 24 karat gold plated Oscar statue. I have a replica, which I'll be putting a picture of up on Facebook later today. It came from China. It's illegal to have, but I got one. The average cost for an A-list actress's outfit, $1.5 million. Sometimes these actresses, by the way, are sewn into their dresses. In other words, here, put this over your head, but the side isn't attached. Yeah, we're going to do that after you put it on, and then they sew her into it. You hear about those after parties, especially the Vanity Fair one? You know how much it costs to get in? I didn't know they charged people to get in. I guess it's a fundraiser. 80 grand to get into the Vanity Fair party. The average increase in box office sales for a best picture winner, 10 million. The Oscar bump, as they call it. 
Average boost in pay for a best actor or actress in their next film. Up 60%. The goodie bags that go to the big stars of Oscar. $1.2 million per bag. Last year's uh, included, by the way, an NFT of Chadwick Boseman that's worth $1.2 million. God. Uh, The number of Best Picture nominees that had the lowest budgets, but the highest Rotten Tomatoes ratings, Drive My Car and Coda. Everybody always says, you know, do the Golden Gloves, which came out a couple of maybe a month or two ago. Do they really strongly indicate whether or not that also is good for an Oscar win? Well, this year, Nicole Kidman won the Golden Globe for being the Ricardo. So we'll see if the odds are in her favor. And Netflix, with the real possibility of cleaning up 27 nominations, that was far and away number one. Uh, Disney was second with 23, and then came Fox. Amy Schumer, one of the hosts, says she pitched the idea of having Vladimir Zelensky appear at the Oscars, either via satellite or in a taped message, but the producers shot her idea down. They said they wanted the show to be a quote-unquote vacation from all the heavy stuff going on in the war. Well, we'll see when people start making political speeches. In fact, one of the issues this year is this thing you probably heard about where um, to try to slicken up the show a little bit, they've decided to give away some of the Oscars before the show. So like you're sitting there on the edge of your chair going, I wonder who's going to win best audio editing. And they're like, eh, we're going to do that before the show so that when the actual TV goes on, that's not going to be part of it. And some people are pissed about that. So they are encouraging the real winners to go up there, accept the Oscar, but hold it upside down to protest the idea that some awards are not being presented during the live broadcast. With the Oscars just one week away, Million Dollar Baby is generating quite a buzz with its seven nominations. Here to talk about his nomination for Best Supporting Actor, Mr. Morgan Freeman. Uh, Mr. Freeman, are you there? I couldn't believe it was happening. (laughs) Me, Morgan Freeman, about to do weekend update. Mr. Freeman, where are you? Give me a second, I'm narrating. (laughs) Here I am. Thank you kindly for having me, ladies. Oh, our pleasure, Mr. Freeman. Congratulations on your nomination. You must be very excited. Well, as always, I'm honored. But it's not the first time I've been nominated for an Oscar playing the role of a for a white person's friend who just narrates the film and just, just the same old, same old. Kind of old hat for me. I've made a career out of helping white folks solve their problems in movies. <laughs> saving their lives, giving them advice. But no more. No, sir. I think it's time Morgan Freeman helped himself. And I'm not talking about saving the world. I'm not talking about making people laugh. I'm talking about a grade A, flat out, no hose barred love scene. I want to get freaky with some young hottie like every other leading man over 50. Hell, I'm running out of time. No more advice like get busy living or get busy dying. I just want to get busy. Period. I don't want to be driving, Miss Daisy. I want to be riding, Miss Daisy. And you know, come to think of it, I've made 15 films with Ashley Judd. What's a brother got to do to get some of that? (laughs) So please, if anybody's listening, just write me a script 
Well, there's a love scene, and when you see me in the bed, I'll show you a true Oscar-winning performance. Morgan Freeman, everybody! Robert Redford. As I said, my family couldn't afford, afford a movie. In those days, a movie was for 35 cents. You walked to a neighborhood theater, standalone theater, and you saw two features. You saw serials, Wonder Woman, Flash Gordon, Tarzan. You saw two cartoons, Donald Duck, you know, whatever, Bugs Bunny. And then you saw a Path A newsreel that showed you what was going on in the front, the war that was going on. So film was a cultural experience, but I didn't know it. It was just what you got. And for me, it was just entertainment. It wasn't until years later that I was in the business making films and suddenly I found myself in a mall with 20 screens and thin walls and people being shoved into the theaters like cattle and hustled out as fast as possible, only showing one feature, getting them into the concession stands as quickly as possible because they made more money. I realized that, that film has lost a lot of its magic from when I saw it as a kid. He took stuff for granted that you now look at it and said, God, what a, it was a cultural experience. Film was a cultural experience. You had documentaries in the form of newsreels. You had animation in the form of cartoons. You had shorts, because I think shorts are wonderful. And then you had two main features. And it was all in one experience. I think that's been lost. So of course I feel bad about a lot of things I think were wonderful that you'll never even know about and, and your next generation won't have a clue about. I just would hate to see the best part of America be reduced to photographs and old newsrooms. That was a great piece from inside the actors' studios when he was addressing the students at the end of the show. Well, that's it. Are you going to watch? You're still not going to watch. I did all that, and you're like, I'm not watching that fucking show. Okay, I totally understand. Like I said, I'm washing out on it a little bit too, but come back on Monday morning. I'll have a full report on your desk in the morning. All right, that's it. The J.C. Corcoran Podcast Special Oscar Edition for Friday, March 25th, 2022 is in the can 236 days remaining in our american democratic system as we have known it if you missed any of the podcasts this week don't worry go back and pick them up we archive everything right here just click and it starts playing we publish right about seven o'clock monday through friday every weekday morning right about uh, this time it's absolutely free email me jc at jc on the line.com facebook the showgram with jc corcoran help keep us in the top 10 of all podcasts in this here usa country of ours should have that announcement sometime early next week that i've been telling you about and uh, i wish that i didn't have to be so cryptic about it but until it's done it's not done and it's not done so as soon as i get it i'll pass it along that should be sometime next week have yourself a great weekend back on monday morning in the meantime we have beaten this one to death have a good one see you later bye the jc corcoran podcast